working our way through the book of Revelation. Revelation Sunday night, Hebrews Sunday morning. Spiritual thinking, the divine and the human in my Christian ed class. So there's a lot of stuff kind of going on in addition to all the other things that are, that are being taught and done. And we're continuing from last week. The mystery and destruction of Babylon. Basically, it's Revelation 17. We're going to look at the first, well, we're going to look at 18 verses. And then I'll quickly go over the two things. There were four ideas. Two we kind of touched on last week, and then three and four we'll, we'll do tonight. Revelation 17, 1 to 18. John, of course, is on Patmos. He's on the island of Patmos. He's in exile for his testimony regarding the Lord Jesus Christ. He's virtually alone on this outpost. And while there, he receives these visions. Strange, marvelous, powerful, and at times hard to interpret visions that he says he receives from the Lord and different angelic beings. And he writes down as best he can what he sees. And when you read a vision like this, you realize it's, it's quite a task. You've had the experience, no doubt, where someone asks you what you saw and you're trying to put it into words. And you can imagine John's job here. I mean, the stuff's virtually undescribable in places. Revelation 17, verse 1. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls, so seven seals, seven trumpets, seven... And the important thing about the three sevens is they all run up to the very end. Perfect. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls, the bowls of God's wrath, the outpouring of God's wrath at at the very end, the climactic, quick outpouring of the wrath of God. One of these seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, and I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters. You'll see in a little, which are with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality. You'll see later that the many waters aren't waters like a lake. The waters are a picture of the sea of humanity including the leaders of the people. So it's justified, legalized, politically structured, and endorsed uh, revision of the moral standards of God. That's That's what's being talked about. With whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. So... Drunkenness, like, like this, this overindulgence, this, uh, this, this, this uh, twisted preoccupation with something. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. So he doesn't leave the island of Patmos, but he, he, he feels in his vision like he's being taken to another place. Carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and it had seven heads and ten horns. 
The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. You wonder what John saw, a cup. How do you, how do you show a cup full of abominations? What does that look like? Draw a picture of a cup full of abominations. Like, you can see what, he's got this job of writing what he sees. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon. So the woman is not a woman, really. It's, it's, a, it's a city. It's, it's peoples. Babylon the great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I marveled greatly. But the angel said to me, why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with seven heads and ten horns that carries her. So it's kind of strange. You see verse 7, the angel said, I will tell you the mystery of the woman. And look at the first part of verse 8. The beast that you saw, he doesn't talk about the woman. (laughs) He talks about the beast that the woman is sitting on. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. The dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come. You're going to see that repeated a few times. Nine, this calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. There are also seven kings. So, so there's heads, which are really mountains, which are really kings. How would you draw that? Five of whom have fallen. One is, the other has not yet come. And when he does come, he must remain only a little while. As for the beast that was and is not, it is an eighth. But it belongs to the seven. And it goes to destruction. And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast. These are of one mind and hand over their power and authority to the beast. 14. They will make war on the lamb. The lamb will conquer them. For he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And those with him are called and chosen and faithful. The angel said to me, the waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. And the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. So there's a kind of an element of self-destruction here. These, these godless nations now turn on Babylon the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. Why are they going to do that? 17. For God has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and and handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman that you saw is the great city It has dominion over the kings of the earth. There's just a lot 
in a passage like that. Here's, here's where we kind of nailed a couple of things down last week. First, this, this woman who is Babylon, nations, peoples, she is broadly accepted by the peoples of the earth in the last days. Um, the many waters are explained in verse 15 to be peoples and multitude and nations and languages. So, so in other words, however we identify Babylon, it's not a woman. It's not just one city. It's, it's an influence that is global. And the global influence will tend toward... Um, so, so Antichrist will persecute in a governmental official capacity. The false prophet will lead people astray by bringing worship to Antichrist. So religious distortion and, and false tolerance and a lack of truth. So there's these two dangers. And then Babylon, this, this uh, woman who, who uh, is not a woman but a city and, and comes out of many waters, the peoples of the earth, there will be this uh, global, not just persecution from Antichrist and false prophet, but temptation. Uh, 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 a ceasing of righteousness. You can't get everything you want to get if you're Satan. You can't get it all just by persecution. You'll have better luck because sometimes persecution just deepens people's faith. You'll have better luck if in addition to persecution there's seduction. And so this woman is pictured as having influence over the peoples of the earth. There will be a a global trend among all nations toward a laxing of moral standards. And the second thing we talked about last week, and I pointed it out tonight where the angel says, let me tell you about the woman. The beast that you saw. The woman is uh, empowered by the beast she rides on. And the beast is Antichrist. So there's a, there's a satanic power. You don't think of it that way. You don't see it that way. So you sit at home, you're watching TV, and stuff comes on that has a, a tinge of immorality to it. Sure, it, it's, it's a gay couple, and it's a this, and it's a that. And, and it doesn't seem like anything all that wicked is happening. And we get adjusted to it, and you watch it, and you might even laugh a little bit. And it's very easy to forget that... The TV sits on the power of Antichrist. That's what, that's what he sees in this vision, you see. There's, there's, don't forget what's behind Babylon. And, and Babylon's power to tempt and seduce and draw people away from a pure devotion to the Lord. The woman, it's in verse 3, sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names. It had seven heads and ten horns. And immediately we flash back to Revelation 13.1 because we've seen this beast before. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. So John is seeing in this picture the woman sitting on the beast. And that's the reason for the influence that she holds over the peoples and nations of the earth. So there's two important details. The woman is shown on the waters to show her relationship to the nations of the earth. She is pictured on the beast to show her relationship to 
the devil. Two more points I want to go over tonight. So if that's one and two from last week, this is point number three. The life of the beast in, in seven kingdoms. It's in nine through 13. And we're being cautioned right at the beginning that this is not easy to figure out. That's why it says this calls for a mind with wisdom. You see those words? The seven heads are seven mountains on which the beast is seated. There are also seven kings. So we're not dealing just with mountains like you see the Rockies. They represent something. And what they represent is also pictured in kings. Not just individuals, but kingdoms, empires, nations, people groups. There are also seven kings, five of whom have fallen... One is, so that would be six. The other has not yet come. And when he does come, he must remain only a little while. Okay. As for the beast that was and is not, it is an eighth. And you think, oh man, what in the world? But it belongs to the seven. And it goes to destruction. And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power... But they are to receive authority as kings for one hour. One hour meaning it's just, it's just short. It's short-lived. Together with the beast. These are of one mind and hand over their power and authority to the beast. Obviously, there's a lot to work through in those difficult verses. What I tend to do is try and find, okay, so what can I get a handle on? Uh, what, can I, what can I see for sure and start with? When you're unfolding, a, this is such an involved passage. Where do you anchor your thoughts to start? Well, the seven heads, we're told, the seven heads of the beast aren't literal human heads, like your head, my head, sitting on the shoulders. John says they represent seven hills, and then switches to seven kings. Probably seven empires or kingdoms. We know that, from the way John has already described the manifestations of Antichrist in, in previous periods of history. So if you went back to the chapter on Antichrist is Revelation 13. Chapter 12 is the, the devil. That dragon is identified as the devil. 13 is Antichrist. 14, false prophet. So if you go back to the manifestations of Antichrist in Revelation 13... First two verses. Are they, is this in your notes, these two verses? Okay, good. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns, seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns, blasphemous names on its heads. Notice the next verse, and I'll tell you why you need to notice it in just a second. The beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's. Its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it, the dragon... That Satan gave his power and his throne and great authority. When you see that, verse 2, leopard, bear, lion, what you're witnessing there is almost a direct quote from Daniel chapter 7, verse 6, where Daniel describes, in a, he, he has the interpretation of this vision of these empires that are yet to come. Daniel identifies some of them. So the seven heads 
are seven kingdoms. There are books. You can buy books, big sellers. My opinion is to know the exact identity of each nation uh, isn't all that important. There are, there are places in Daniel where he tells us which nations are represented, and I'm fine with that. But I think the important point for John's vision is that just as Antichrist has manifested himself in the past, and just as he disappears for a season, he will rise again in a more obvious and satanic manifestation. That shouldn't surprise us, because the Apostle John hinted at that. 1 John 2.18, this isn't in your notes. John says, children, it is the last hour, as you have heard that Antichrist is coming. Coming. So now, many antichrists have come. Therefore, you know that it is the last hour. So, so there's antichrist in these same different tenses. There's antichrist present. Even now, there are many antichrists. There's antichrist still to come in the future. So here's what I think we take from this involved passage in Revelation 17. This great harlot, this Babylon, uh, increasingly up to the very last days, uh, seduces, captures nations with the help of a succession of empires, all of which have been to greater or lesser degrees manifestations of Antichrist. He says five of them have come and gone. One of them, he says... A sixth is present when John records that revelation. No doubt, John would have had in his mind that this was the Roman Empire and its destruction of Jerusalem and its persecution of Christians. And while all of these were manifestations of Antichrist, and while the church to whom John was writing, the churches... They probably would have thought particularly of Rome and the persecution they were receiving at that time. John says there's, there's another, there's more to come. There's something down the road. There's a seventh kingdom or empire, a more direct manifestation of Antichrist. Even yet, it will be like his resurrection from the dead. It will be like he's appearing for the very first time. And it'll only last for a little while, John says. really difficult we're probably in the hardest chapter in the book if you're discouraged just take heart with that really difficult is the exact meaning of that 11th verse as for the beast that was and is not it is an eighth but it belongs to the seven and it goes to destruction so john portrays the coming kingdom of antichrist as both an eighth kingdom and yet still one of the original seven and you think well what what is what does that mean how can that be well i think i think there are very complex explanations i think the simplest is you need to remember the vision john is seeing there were seven heads on this beast right seven heads he talks about that but there's still the beast itself It's like I'm opening the lid of something that maybe I don't want to open. But if you went to, don't do it now, when you go home, 
If you were to read Daniel chapter 2, some of you know the story. Remember, Daniel's interpreting the vision and he sees this big image, this big statue. And he's talking, Daniel, to Nebuchadnezzar and he says, you're the head. And then he says, and there's the torso and they're made of a different material. And there's the legs and they're made of different material. And there's the feet and there's the toes of clay and iron, ten toes. And he identifies these different kingdoms, all right, that are to come. Anybody know that story? Okay. But in addition to, like, the parts of that big image being coming nations, there's the image itself. And that's what you see here. There's these seven heads on this beast coming up out of the sea, but then there's the beast. There's the beast itself, hence the eighth, but still part of the seven. The heads are attached to this beast. In verses 12 and 13, John also sees that many kingdoms of the earth, literally ten, I don't know, does it matter? I don't think so. Many of the kings of the earth will align themselves with the beast and his evil empire. You get that in 12 and 13. And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power. This is down the road, as John writes. But they are to receive authority as kings for one hour, together with the beast. These are of one mind. Hand over their power and authority to to the beast. And John somehow sees that this sixth plague poured out from the bowl. If you looked at 1612, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the earth, the great river Euphrates, and its water dried up to prepare the way for the kings of the east. So these, these leaders, these kings, um, under the sway, under the authority of the beast, they will be of one mind with the beast. And they'll just be an amalgam of political power, national power, peoples of the earth with the specific um, agenda of saying the cause of Christ is the source of all problems on earth. It's where religious bigotry comes from. It's where hatred and intolerance come from. Is this sounding familiar to you at all? Only this is going to be a structured resistance to that. I have good news for you, though, at the end of this study. Look at point number four. God's sovereignty over the nations and the self-destruction of Babylon. I'm going to take the time to read it again. It's in verses 14 through 18. They will make war on the Lamb. The Lamb will conquer them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those with him are called and chosen and faithful. And the angel said to me, The waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. And the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute, Babylon. And and they will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. 17 is such an important verse. What would make this 
united front against Christ turn inward on itself and devour itself. Self-destruct. 17 says, for, for God has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose. And you're looking at one of the most wonderful manifestations of God's sovereign hand over his creation. God has put it into their hearts. They don't know that. To carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. So you you read all this and you think, man, is this... So what hope is there? Are things just sort of sliding out of God's control? Like, do I have to... Do I have to sit up at night and look under the bed before I go to sleep and wonder what's coming of everything? Well, we ought to be informed. That's why this is here. Up to this point, John must have been surprised to hear more of a description of the beast than the judgment of Babylon because that's what he was told he was going to be shown. The angel said, John, let me tell you about Babylon and her destruction. And all the angel has talked about up until then is the beast and antichrist and nations. And John must have been wondering, well, okay, what about Babylon? And the reason that there's very little said is because John can't imagine, nor can we, as you come to the end of this vision, Babylon's just going to self-destruct. It always does, by the way. People can ignore God to this day. They can spit in his face. They can construct their own lives, but you're building something that's going to collapse. In fact, I have it on pretty good authority. Jesus talked about people who build houses but didn't do it on the things that he said. And every one of them, he said, they, they collapse. They collapse. And so whether you're dealing with individuals in a church like this, young people constructing their lives, building their relationships... Older people figuring out how to get maximum fruitfulness out of their retirement. You you, you build it around the things of Christ. Or whether you're dealing with the cosmic end of all things and the coming of a brand new creation with a new heaven and a new earth. Anything that isn't built on Christ is going to self-destruct. It's going to implode. It can't possibly sustain itself because it's God's order. 16 and 17. And the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. That's how you wrap up a hard chapter. Until the words of God are fulfilled. Nothing in all the combined forces of all the empires of the earth under the influence and control of Satan himself, none of that will be able to undo or stop the words of God himself. I like verse 14. You have it in your notes? Yeah? Let's read it all out, okay? They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, 
and those with him are called chosen and faithful. And everyone said, Amen.